Hey guys, welcome to the 45 podcast. Hello everyone. Today we have Megan Peacock joining us and she's going to be talking about a few things about mental health. So first we're going to ask her a few questions. Yeah, welcome Megan. How are you today? Hi, I am doing very well. Thank you for having me. This is, like I must be honest, it is one of my bucket list goals to be on a podcast. So Let's go. It's a big day for me. Big day. <laughs> You've made it. <laughs> Cool. So um, there's there's very likely because we're so famous, um, there's probably like thousands of people who don't know who Megan Peacock is. So would you mind just telling us who you are, what you do? Um, yeah, that would be great. Sure. Um, well, I'm Megan Peacock, obviously, and um, I am currently I'm 21 at the moment, and I am currently in my like a gap year like post-university gap year. So I did my um, undergraduate in law and political science at Stellenbosch. And mm. I graduated mm. last year. And then this year has just been kind of a, like, mm. take a step back, do some random things, you know, mm. before I go into my honors. So that is kind of what I'm up to at the moment. And um, I don't know. What else about me is there that's interesting? What's your favorite <laughs> toothpaste? Is, is cool. Oh, oof. Ouchies. Ooh. That's a hard one. Probably Colgate. Good choice. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's everyone, kind of. Yeah, yeah. that's a goodie. Cool. Thanks, Megan. Um, and what is your been your favorite thing about the lockdown? That is a tough question. I actually, to be quite honest, I really have enjoyed a lot of stuff about the lockdown mm. because I'm an introvert at heart. So um, like being home and not having a lot of like societal pressure has been kind of nice. <laughs> but my favorite yeah. part, I would have to say, has been being able to like make food, nice food anytime mm. and yeah. have like nice dinners and, and watch movies with the fam. We had this like lockdown movie list going. So we did like 21 mm. movies in 21 days. So that was probably like good food and movies is probably my favorite. Mm. <laughs> That's so cool. Very questionable yeah. in case anybody is wondering. Uh, yeah. No, I, I just assumed his, his would be yeah. questionable. Yeah. goes without saying really. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Josh. Josh. Don't add us. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's been actually nice. Like normally for lunch, just like what, like two minute noodles or like whatever yeah. is like, like lying around. But now eating out bro, of a Tupperware. Oof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's been nice to like plan lunches and stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Megan. So now over to you for your demo. Sure thing. Okay. So um, I'm going to be talking about mental health today, which I think kind of follows on nicely from the podcast that we had with guest speaker Christy Peacock two weeks ago. <laughs> um, so people in the church often talk about how we're supposed to like build up the body of Christ through things like our spiritual gifts, the way we interact with fellow Christians, tithing, fellowshipping together and all that kind of stuff. And we spend a lot of time learning how to do that. But something that I think the church doesn't consider super often is like our literal physical health and the way that that ties into how we honor God in our lives. And a really like important aspect of your physical health is your mental health. Um, so just to give 
a bit of context. Mental health issues are actually super common um, in some way, shape, or form. And some of the most common types of mental health issues are anxiety disorders. So that includes like generalized anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. um, specific phobias, all that kind of stuff. Depression and post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Those are some of the most common types and I'm pretty sure you guys have heard about those before. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America did a study and they found that about 20% of the population suffers from an anxiety disorder within the space of one year. And that's, you know, that's quite a few people. That's one in five or two in 10. For me personally, mental health issues run in my family. So I kind of always knew that that might be something that I would struggle with. But I started to develop symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD is like the short term, around the age of 10, which is pretty young. And that kind of continued for the rest of my kind of high school years at varying degrees of intensity. And around that age, I also started having episodes of what I now know is, um, it's called nocturnal panic. So essentially, I would um, wake up screaming from a dream that I wouldn't remember. And I would usually run through the house while I was screaming. So apologies to my family members for those unpleasant days. (laughs) Um, But sometimes it would get so bad that it would be like every night, sometimes even twice in one night. Um, And that continued, like I said, for about 10 years. Um, So once I even I ran into a closed door while I was asleep. And, um, I didn't wake up when I hit the door. I only woke up when I hit the floor <laughs> and then I was like, Whoa, right. like, where am I? What am I doing? And then we switched on a light and the door had like an indent of my face from running into it. And it stayed cracked in like that until we moved out of that house. So that was a funny story. Jeez. Um, so then that was kind of my experience with anxiety. And then I had my first textbook depressive episode around the age of, um, probably like 11 or 12 which is also quite young, but it was definitely brought on by kind of, you know, certain environmental factors. And then around the age of 12 or 13, I started to develop like borderline anorexic behaviors. So I was, you know, working out twice a day, I was um, starving myself. And I would just sort of like, always when I whenever I walk past a mirror, I'd be like, Oh, look at you, you're so disgusting, you're so fat kind of thing. So just like yeah. very disordered thinking, which is also um, a very common type of mental illness, in, especially in girls around that age. Um, and then I started, so we moved, this was all kind of while we were in Botswana and when we moved to Cape Town. And okay. um, when I started coming to SWBC, I found out about Sue and her counseling services that she provides. So I started seeing a counselor when I was about 14. Um, for a couple of months. And then I, um, I stopped doing that. And then at the end of, I would say 2018, my anxiety and depression started to get worse again to the point where it was now interfering with my studies. So I went and visited my doctor and, you know, had a few consultations with him. And then I decided that, um, it would be helpful for me to go on antidepressants. So Mm. after that, I was like, I think it was a couple, like three months later, a couple months later, uh, my accident happened, which is a whole another story. But um, the next podcast, essentially, I just like fell into the ocean. So that's in a nutshell what happened. Um, and yeah. then after that, my anxiety and depression got a lot worse. So after that, I started seeing a clinical psychologist regularly. So that's kind of my experience with mental health in a nutshell. Sure. Um, but 
what really strikes me is that there's nothing crazy or unique about my story, really, because a lot of people struggle with mental health in similar ways to me, and some people even in more severe ways. And so hearing that story, you mm-hmm. think like, oh, yeah, obviously a person like you should be on medication and, you know, you should be seeing a psychologist. But the really mm-hmm. crazy thing is that around less than half of people who struggle with anxiety or depression seek treatment. Yeah. And that is when you think about that, that's crazy. So yeah. what I want to ask you guys, you know, and who are listening and everything is why is it that we should take care of our mental health as Christians and, and as people? Why is it important? And the first point that I want to bring up is that your body is not your own. And that might sound a little weird, but a lot of people think that it's okay to just self-diagnose and self-medicate their way through a mental health issue. And aside from yeah. being extremely risky and ineffective, I really believe that it goes against what the Bible tells us because in 1 Corinthians 16, 19 to 20, it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify your God in your body. So essentially like what that verse is saying is that, okay, so you're struggling with mental health, but you have to realize like your body is not your own. You can't do with it whatever you will. You have this Holy Spirit living inside of you. And so you have an obligation to take care of your body. And that means taking care of your mental health. So to me, that is like a big answer to the question, why should we take care of our mental health? And then Mm -hmm. the second reason that I want to look at is that if you're not taking care of your mental health, you're not an effective member of the body of Christ. And in the church, Mm -hmm. especially, it can be a place where people who struggle with mental health are either met with a lot of silence from the church or sometimes in unfortunate you know, circumstances, they're even met with judgment from the church. But if yeah. you want to look at the, I, you know, the, the issue of mental health through a spiritual lens, the church, you know, it's, I feel has a responsibility to, you know, deal with it in a helpful way because if members of the, of the body of Christ are suffering you can't serve God effectively or serve the church effectively because, you know, you are struggling so much in your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also something that we need to consider. You can't go through yeah. your life suffering and still expect to serve the, the body of Christ in a way that's effective or helpful. So to mm-hmm. me, those are two important answers to why we should care about our mental health. And then the next sort of thing I want to look at is how do we go about taking care of our mental health? And so I want to keep this point super practical and simple because obviously I'm not a doctor. Um, so <laughs> please. Just a lawyer. This is the, yeah, just a lawyer. So I have to, legally, I must put this disclaimer in. <laughs> so none of what I'm saying serves as like a diagnosis or a professional medical opinion. These are just things that in my own research and in my own experience, I've discovered are important to consider when you struggle with mental health. So um, please do your own research and see your doctor and Mm -hmm. don't believe everything I say. (laughs) But um, (laughs) the first thing I want to look at with, you know, how do we go about taking care of our mental health is sleep. So sleep is super Mm. important because it regulates your bodily functions and that includes the production of all the right levels of brain chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, cortisol, all that stuff. So when you're not getting enough sleep or the quality of your sleep is really poor, this disrupts your body's optimal functioning and it disrupts 
the synthesis of the right levels of chemicals in your body. And oftentimes when you're not sleeping well, this can either, you know, lead to depression or anxiety, or if you have depression or anxiety from, you know, something else, sleeping poorly can make it a lot worse. So sleep is a really important thing to look at. And some of the best ways that I found to get better sleep are to have a routine. So people think, okay, that sucks because I'm young and I like watch series till 12. So having a sleep routine is not very practical for me. But whether or not you go to bed at the same time, what is extremely important to do is to make sure that you are waking up at the same time every day because your body's circadian rhythms, they deal with uh, the regulation of positive and negative emotions a lot. So when your your body has no rhythm and has no routine, the regulation of, of your positive and negative emotions is out of whack. So even if you're not mm. going to bed at the same time every night, you need to be waking up at the same time every morning. This is a really important thing. Mm. And then um, just some like random things that are helpful is to sleep in like a really dark room to make sure that you are not too warm and to have like a specific routine of things that you do. So like you sit down, you write, you know, in your gratitude journal, you take a sip of water, you lie down, you listen to, I don't know, a song. Like you do, you need to do the same thing every <laughs> night before you go to bed because the routine signals mm. to your brain. Okay. It's time to sleep. So mm. sleep is very important. And yeah. then the second thing that I want to look at is diet. And this is also like, Young people mm. are really bad at this stuff. I don't know what it is about being like 20 something, but it's like, who needs sleep? Who needs vegetables? You know, all that kind of stuff. Take some discipline. <laughs> yeah. So the two things that I want to look at mainly under diet are your blood sugar levels and inflammation. So your blood sugar level ideally needs to be kept steady. So um, when you eat, like a bar one or I don't know, ice cream or something sugary, what happens is your blood sugar level spikes. And after that spike, it'll drop down lower than normal. And when your blood sugar mm. drops down lower than normal, it's typical to feel, you know, to have like mood swings, to feel really tired, cranky, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you feel shaky. It's just not a good place to be. So something yeah. to consider here is that if you already are struggling with mental health issues, when you have blood sugar spikes and drops, that's not helpful for maintaining, you know, steady mood, steady energy levels, which when you are struggling from with depression, it's, it's already difficult. Um, so something to help make sure that your blood sugar levels are steady is whenever you eat something sugary, which isn't ideal, sorry to sound like everyone's mother, <laughs> um, <laughs> is to have protein with it. Because what protein does is it gives your energy longevity and keeps it keeps it steady. So it avoids those huge mm. spikes and then those severe drops. So that is something to consider. And then the second thing to consider, and everyone's going to hate me for saying this, is um, inflammation. And when your body becomes inflamed from the things that you're eating, that manifests itself in things like bloating, allergies, um, joint pain, poor sleep, headaches, all that kind of stuff. And sure. the main culprits for inflammation in the body are sugar, dairy, and grains. So like Ugh. everything that is good and tasty in the <laughs> yeah. world. <laughs> yeah. And this, so this is a difficult thing, but 
for me personally, this is something that I've had to really consider because mm. I, you know, those Haribo like gummy sweets yes. of any kind. I could literally yes. live off of those. I have oh, yeah. like the world's worst sweet tooth. So for me personally <laughs> with depression and anxiety, I've, I've come to the place where I've realized, okay, eating sugar is not helpful for you. So you need to, mm -hmm. you know, either avoid it entirely or, or limit it as much as possible. So that yeah. is also something to consider. And then the next thing I want to look at is exercise. And, um, the reason exercise is good is because it, produces dopamine in your body. And dopamine is also known as the happy hormone. And exercise mm -hmm. has also been proven to make you smarter and to make you live longer. So, you know, all, all around, it's just a good thing to do. And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be like, you know, CrossFit or going to the gym necessarily. It could literally just be going for a walk in the sunshine. And exercising outdoors mm -hmm. is even better because getting sun, getting vitamin D, that boosts serotonin production in your body. So that's really important. So yeah. literally, even if you want to try going for a 10 minute walk, you know, when the sun's out every day, I guarantee you that that is going to help. It's not going to cure you. It's not going to make you, you know, it's not going to negate the fact that, you know, mental health issues are present in your life, but it's going to make it a lot more manageable. And that's something that I found super helpful. And then the next thing I want to look at is substances. And again, this is like with young people, people my age and the age of everyone listening, this is like the, the thing you hear from every adult ever. They're like, don't drink and drive, don't drink too much, don't do drugs, all that stuff. Yeah. But it's something that you seriously, seriously need to consider if you do struggle with mental illness and alcohol mm -hmm more so than any other drug actually is the most dangerous because alcohol is the most addictive substance that you can take. And alcohol is the only substance that has been definitively linked to an increase in violent behavior in people who consume it. So sure. alcohol is not something that you want to be consuming on a regular basis if you already struggle with mental health because it can very easily become mm. a crutch and a way of coping. And it's not a helpful way of coping. It is a very destructive, you know, it's a, it's a destructive way of coping because it's not good for your body. It's not good for your mind. And, um, that's just something that you need to think very seriously about. And another substance that a lot of, uh, young people get into is smoking weed. And I know yeah. like people in church never, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but <laughs> whether you have tried weed or not, something that you need to really consider is that it can be detrimental for people who are already suffering from depression and it mm. can induce permanent psychosis in people who use it uh, too extensively. And if you already have an underlying mental health condition, you're far more likely for that to happen. And I think people don't really realize this before they just like experiment and try it out. But if yeah. you are struggling with mental health issues, you need to be really careful what substances you are consuming and also how much you need to be really careful with that because it can be mm. something that pushes you over the edge and that's not a place where you want to be. Yeah. So then the last thing that I want to look at in terms of how do we care for our mental health is professional help. And this one is really important because I don't know how many people I've spoken to 
who, you know, even if it's just like, I don't know, something small, like you're going through a rough patch with a friend Mm. or whatever. And I'll be like, Oh, you should, you should just try seeing a counselor. So many people are like, no, I'm good. That's awkward. That's weird. It's not going to help me. I can't imagine talking to a stranger about my issues. Like you would not believe how many people are like counseling avoidant, but I promise you like nothing has been more helpful in my own life than going and and seeking professional help. Mm. Because not only do you have someone that's removed from your situation who you can talk to, but they can give you a proper diagnosis. They can give you like professional guidance as to how to manage that diagnosis. And um, yeah, it's just, it's all around good. So just some like practical tips for finding a way to seek professional help is to try out a couple different counselors or psychologists in your area just to sort of see if you can find a good fit because obviously, you know, not every counselor you go to, you know, they might not all be your style kind of thing, but trying out Mm -hmm. different counselors can be a really helpful way to find a good match and to find a counselor that you will enjoy going to see because you don't want it to just be like a crappy experience. (laughs) And then the second tip is to make it regular. So you want to try and go at least once a month. And I know cost is an issue too with, with counseling. So at least once a month, but you can even organize with your psychologist to see them every second month, um, you know, whatever works for you. So that is also something you don't have to be overly concerned if, you know, budget wise, it is a struggle because you can always come to some kind of agreement with your psychologist to make it work. And you can also look into fun, like funding options of having your counseling paid for by medical aid if you are on medical aid, or even um, seeing a psychologist through a church or another nonprofit organization where the cost is either much lower or in some instances it's completely free. So um, I think those are often issues people have with going to see counseling. But I just want to encourage you that if you really want to see someone, and I highly suggest that if you are struggling with mental health issues that you do, there are ways to make that work if you, you know, just look out for them. And then lastly, what can often happen when you seek professional help is that your psychologist or counselor will recommend that you go on to some kind of medication, not for everybody, but that's often the case when you get a professional diagnosis. And I just want to stress Mm -hmm. that often in the church, there are some people who believe that taking medication is, is wrong because you're not trusting God to help you through this thing. But I really don't believe that medication and, and doctors and, you know, professional help is wrong because to be a medical professional is a, is a God given interest and a God given talent. And I really do believe that God has given us those things to help us. So, um, if you are prescribed medication, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something that as a Christian you should feel is sinful or wrong. It can be a really helpful tool to get you through what can sometimes be really difficult places. So I just wanted to put that in there and and just encourage you that if you are prescribed medication, that um, it can actually just be really helpful and um, yeah, Yeah. take it every day. Don't stop taking it. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, So now we've looked at 
um, why we should care for our mental health, like why it's an important thing to do. We've looked at a couple practical ways that we can do that, some of the hows. Um, but I think, like for me at least, when people tell me, okay, this is why you should do something, I'm like, okay, cool, that's nice, thank you. But what I find really powerful is to look at what would happen if I didn't do that. Like what would happen if I didn't take care of my mental health? So I just want to read this verse. It's from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 17. And it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. And when I read that verse, I was like, whoa, that's pretty hectic. If someone destroys the temple of God, it says that he will destroy them. And I was like... How, how does that work? But then I was thinking about it and I realized that oftentimes when we as people have, you know, things that we're struggling with, instead of doing the thing that we know will help us, we tend to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors, which I think is why most people don't sleep or eat or exercise or, you know, like live in a way that they know is, is going to help them deal with life essentially. And I don't think in that verse, it's saying that if you don't take care of yourself, that God is going to like strike you down. But I think what it's saying is that you need to take care of your body. And if you don't, if you engage in those self-sabotaging behaviors, God is not going to stop the natural consequences of those actions from taking place. Because if you think about it, the only natural consequence of not taking care of your mental health is that you're going to keep struggling with it and it's going to suck. <laughs> so I think what that verse is saying is that if you do not treat your body as the temple of God and in that, you know, take care of your mental health and your mind in a way that honors God's temple, your body, he's not going to stop the natural negative consequences of that from happening, which is why it's so important that we realize, you know, that our bodies are the temple of God. Um, and I think it is a lot easier to look at your life and the things that are going wrong and to tell yourself that it's happening because, you know, the world is wronged you. The world is a bad place. You know, it sucks that you inherited those genetics. It sucks that you've had, you know, some difficult things happen in your life and it does. But what is a lot more difficult to do is to look at that and then take responsibility for the things in your life that you can change to make your world better. And I think that you have to ask yourself, you know, which, which side am I taking? Am I looking at the way things are difficult and saying, okay, well, you know, might as well just make it worse. Or are you looking at the things in your life that are difficult and thinking, okay, how can I help myself? How can I make this better? And I just want to stress that I'm not trying to say that it's an easy thing because having been there myself, it's a really difficult thing to deal with. And it can be a very isolating thing to deal with because sometimes, you know, people might not understand what it's like, but just because it isn't easy to take care of your mental health, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Because if you think about the people in your life that you love, you would never wish for them that they would have to suffer without help through anything. And I think sometimes people forget to look at themselves in that way and think, I don't want myself to have to suffer 
through this thing without help, without, you know, trying to make it better. So as an encouragement to Timothy 1.7 says to us, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. And that, you know, it just tells me that it is possible to do the things that will help your mental health, that will help you to, you know, take care of yourself in a way that is honoring of God or honoring to God and honoring to the fact that your body is his temple because we have power. We have his love inside of us and we have self-control, you know, to sleep better. We have the self-control to, you know, go for a walk. We have the self-control to, even though it's tough, you know, to go to our counseling appointment every month to, um, you know, to do those things that we know are important for us to do. And I just want to read this quote. It comes from, it comes from this book that I've been reading called 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. And he's talking about the idea that your body, you know, doesn't belong to you. And he says, according to this philosophy, you don't, do not simply belong to yourself. You are not simply your own possession to torture and mistreat. This is partly because your being is inexorably tied up with that of others. And your mistreatment of yourself can have catastrophic consequences for others. This is most clearly evident perhaps in the aftermath of suicide, when those left behind are often both bereft and traumatized. But metaphorically speaking, there is also this. You have a, a spark of the divine in you, which belongs not to you, but to God. We are, after all, made in his image. And then the second quote that I want to read. Such a good quote. Such a good book. Um, but the, the next thing he says is that we deserve some respect. You deserve some respect. You are important to other people as much as to yourself. You have some vital role to play in the unfolding destiny of the world. You are, therefore, morally obliged to take care of yourself. And you should take care of, help, and be good to yourself in the same way that you would take care of, help, and be good to someone you love and value. And that, I think, is just essentially kind of sums up what I want to say to everybody through this is just that, um, you know, you have a vital role to play in the world and in God's church, and um, you don't deserve to suffer through mental health issues without helping yourself and without getting help from people who love you. So um, I just want to encourage you that it is possible to learn to manage those kinds of things and to live in, a, in such a way that it, it's not the defining feature of your life. And, um, you know, the spirit that God has given us helps us with that. And um, I hope that some of these practical tips are also helpful too. So that is, yeah. that's it for me. Awesome. Thanks so much. I think it's so important that we talk about it. So I'm really glad that you you chose this to talk about. I think especially during this lockdown, yeah, there, for sure. There's so yeah, there's so many people just like being a pastor that have contacted me, um, just like asking for help and mm. um, yeah, and I think and like I was actually chatting to Mel McCulley yesterday and uh, she was saying like it's this especially like because of this the kind of season we're in at the moment it, it 
it's kind of like it's quite a big trigger for those who do suffer with like mental illnesses but even yeah. like she was saying you even see it in people who don't suffer mm, like or maybe they don't know like they're starting to experience depression and anxiety and stuff um mm-hmm. and so there's like like you say there's so many people that struggle and are struggling with it now um and yeah i'm always i'm so surprised when people struggle with it but don't speak about it because i know for me when i like when i first started having like hectic anxiety things there's not a chance i could live a sane life without getting help like i was just i was destroyed like there's no chance for me so i'm always like i'm either like i'm a i'm just like a massive wuss and i can't take it or like what i experienced was just very hectic i don't know I I was recording, filming um, this counselor, the church counselor. She's doing these short, like ten minute videos for parents um, on awesome. um, dealing with like cool emotions. Idea. Yeah, de- dealing with like um, mental health and stuff during lockdown and all of that. Okay. And it was just so interesting to hear um, how, like, if the parent is feeling this anxiousness, then the child feels that anxiousness. But I feel like uh. it's anyone in your home. So it's like, yeah, if yeah that's I, really true. Yeah. So I know like if my mom is super anxious, then I'm super anxious. And then my brother is super anxious. And it's just like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a wave and it just goes to everyone. And yeah. especially during yeah, it's like a knock-on effect. Yeah. And especially with people not being at work, like all the time or at school mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. you are in each other's faces all the time. So it's like yeah. constant. You can as like well. feel each other's emotions all day long. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Intense. <laughs> Yeah, I think that sure. for me ties into like Christy's diva that she gave a while ago. Like with mental health, often it can feel like it's just, it's a very like personal issue. But yeah. I think mm-hmm. when you really focus on on being the best that you can be in yourself and, and taking care of yourself properly, it actually, you know, really benefits mm-hmm. the people around you too. And I mean, that yeah. is what you would want if you, if for someone that you love, you know, you'd want them to be not affected by that so yeah, definitely i think it's like yeah. it's a it's a helpful thing to realize that when you i think especially for people who struggle with feeling like oh no it's selfish for me to you know spend this money on on counseling it's selfish for me to um you know take this time out to go and go for a walk or whatever it's helpful for people who struggle with that to realize like by taking care of yourself and taking care of your own mental health you're actually you know you're helping your family, you're helping people around you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Ooh. I think we yeah. definitely need to have you back on the podcast <laughs> for a part two. Cause I, I think we that. could talk about this. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Then I can like double yeah. check my goal of being on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Megan. Uh, I think it's going to, be really helpful for a lot of people so we really do appreciate you putting in the effort yeah Yeah. thank you so much cool and thank you to my um wonderful and professional hosts for having me oh well i mean (laughs) (laughs) cool guys thank you so much for listening if you are listening to this during our lockdown in south africa then we really encourage you to check out our online church services 
We have a morning service and an evening service, and you can find them both at swbc.online.church. Over to you, Megan, to uh, outro us. Thanks, guys, for joining us for this week's episode of the Fortify podcast. Come back next week to hear Cameron Murray giving our next Devo, and we will hear you or see you then.